Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good. It's good to see you. And for those watching online, hello. I don't know which camera is on. Hi. Hi. Uh, maybe in the overflow room too. Um, welcome here. It's so, so good to be here. And just worship. Man, that, oh, that last song is so good, eh? Just singing praise to our, our awesome God. Wow. That's, uh, that's it, right? He is awesome and he is worthy. And uh, yeah, we want to keep worshiping God this morning as a uh, uh, yeah, we get into the, the message, so let's, let's just pray before that. God, thank you so much for who you are. Uh, you are awesome. You are worthy. You are faithful, God. And so we just want to give you praise this morning. God, just in our hearts, we don't want to stop that. We thank you that we don't, when the melody stops, we, our, our praise doesn't have to stop. It can just continue from there, God. And so that's that's what I want in my heart, and I, I pray that can happen in our hearts this morning. And, and God, we want to we praise you this morning and worship you by, by just receiving, receiving the word that you have for us, God. And I know that you want to speak to uh, your sons and daughters here and, and be personal with us because you're a personal God. And so I, I ask that, that we would uh, you know, be willing to, to hear you and, and you would shape our hearts and, and mold us into the, the image that you're wanting to, to make. Amen. Cool. Uh, I've got, I want to start with a really important question for all of you this morning. Really important. Uh, what, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? It's, yeah, it's important. Anyway, like you can say it out loud. I've, I've heard two black cherries and vanilla. Okay. The classics. Anyone else? Strawberry. Reese peanut butter. That we're on the right track. Here we go. <laughs> awesome. I, I, I think the only wrong answer is probably like chocolate mint. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if there's a chocolate mint fan here, but like, Come on, Pete. It's ice cream. It's supposed to be fun, and you want chocolate mint. It's the boring chocolate mint. But hey, that's up to you. I, 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 can't, I, I can't enforce you what your favorite ice cream flavor is, because um, my favorite might be controversial. Um, my favorite is bubblegum. Yeah. I know. I'm 30. I do act like I'm seven. <laughs> but it's okay. Who, who needs to grow up, right? Um, so that, that, the thing is, the truth is that I own that truth, right? What, what is my favorite uh, ice cream flavor? I am the one who decides that truth. At the same time, there's, there, there's other truths that I am not the decider of, right? Uh, one plus one, I could say, is three. In my opinion, it's three, but that would make me, uh, I would be wrong, right? One plus one is, is two. And... Uh, because it's an objective truth. And, and today there's more and more that are, that are kind of adopting the thought that uh, we, you can live your truth and truth can be something that is subjective to the person. Uh, I remember when I was, uh, my previous job, I, I, was, I was working with, with my coworker and 
and we would work together alone quite a bit, and he was very, very philosophical, and so we would, we would uh, share our, uh, what we believe, and I would share to him about God and, and my faith and my relationship with him, and he would, he would share uh, his ideas. He, he would consider himself kind of spiritual, very philosophical, and, and yeah, we had uh, awesome conversations back and forth, but one of the things that he would always tell me at the end of when I was kind of sharing about God was, hey, that's great for you. That's, that's your truth. Um, you know, saying, hey, yeah, that, that is what you believe. And, and because it's become true to you, it is, it is truth. Um, I think there's a problem with that statement because it, it does imply that God is, God is the person who I think he is, right? And, and right and wrong are what I think they, they should be according to my, my, my feelings. And, and this is something that is being adopted that uh, more and more that morality is something that's subjective to, to the individual. Um, Barna, who, who does a lot of research in the United States, uh, they just kind of sometimes, you know, for different reasons, kind of give uh, different Americans, thousands of Americans uh, questions. And and uh, they were trying to see uh, how people from America view this point, and this is what they, they kind of concluded from their findings. They said Americans are rejecting, more and more are rejecting external sources of moral authority, both spiritual and civic. So external sources that, that a God would tell me what's right, or the government would tell me what's right, no. Instead, the self has become the spiritual and moral compass for the vast majority of adults. So, so, so again, Americans are adopting the, the mindset of, I am the, the dictator of what is true and what's false. And, and, you know, you'll hear more and more statements sometimes, you know, like, live your truth. Live your truth. And I don't think that can be, uh, I don't think that's a good statement to, to live your truth, Right? Because uh, I don't even think it's possible to live by that. Because what if my truth is that I, I own your house, right? What if you tell me to live your truth? <laughs> my truth is that I own your house. And so one afternoon, I'm, I'm, I'm in your house. <laughs> Unannounced. And I'm in your fridge and I'm taking your milk. And all of a sudden, it's like, what are you, what are you doing? This is my house. This is my fridge. You can't just barge in and, and just take it over. It's like, oh, no, but... This is, this is my house, I'm living my truth, that, that I'm the owner of planet Earth, and so you can continue to live here, but every once in a while I will be popping in and helping myself to your milk, right? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think it works uh, at the, in the end of the day to have that mindset of to live your truth. Uh, however, it's true that we will live our truth. You will live your truth. The way you understand the world, God, people, Right and wrong is how you're going to live out your life. But your truth could be wrong, right? And this is where it's so important that we don't just live our truth. We, we seek truth and we seek to live by the truth and align ourselves to the truth. That's where it's so important, right? I believe that God, God is truth and, uh, and truth and right and wrong line up with who God is and his character, and, and, uh, and we're going into a series now of DNA, we're calling it. It's where we talk about the values of, of this church and what we believe and what we stand for and what we want to live out. And so the value I'm covering today is here at GMC. We believe that our understanding of truth 
and God comes from the Bible, which is God's word. And so the Bible is, uh, it's not just uh, a good book of stories. It's not just a good book where we can be motivated from or take inspiration from. It's, it's God's word. It's God's truth to us to show us who God is, to show us how we can live a life pleasing to God. In 1 Corinthians 14, uh, this is where Paul is writing to the church of Corinth and he says, if you claim to be a prophet or think you're spiritual, you should recognize what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself. And so again, when Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he's not just, he is writing to encourage the church, absolutely, but it's not just a, a nice encouragement. Paul knows that he's being led by the Holy Spirit and, and presenting what, what's true through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to that church. And so this is how Paul can make a statement uh, like that. And when we have prophecy in the, in the Bible and see prophets speak in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus too, um, we see in, in 2 Peter 2.21, prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, though human, they were still human, right? It wasn't that their personality was completely uh, erased and they were just, you know, writing the whole, what, the, what the Holy, well, they were writing what the Holy Spirit said, but you actually see their personality. If you read Luke, for instance, he's a doctor. So it's written a little bit more doctory because that's Luke, but it was through the Holy Spirit. So prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this is where we, we have the Bible and there's so many books, yet it, it seems as, as if one author wrote all of them, right? That's because one author did write all of them. You see the individual people's personalities and the different styles of writing, absolutely, but it's, it's, it's front to back, it's the, this, this, it all works together because the Holy Spirit was, was speaking through these men and, and now... We, we have the Bible today. And in Timothy, it, it says the Bible, all scriptures God breathed, right? All of it. We can't just pick and choose. I like this book, that author, uh, that Paul guy. Eh. Um, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's awesome. God wants us to know how, how to live. Uh, but the only thing is, there's a lot of interpretations of the Bible, right? And, and this is where it's, it's really important that we uh, watch our doctrine. And I think sometimes we, do, we don't talk about that enough, watching, watching our, our doctrine. Um, because again, a Jehovah's Witness would say, hey, I believe in the Bible, but they would believe very, very differently, and they would have a very, very different view of Jesus. So again, we need to watch our doctrine, and this is the... the Kind of the command that Paul gave uh, young Pastor Tim. Young Timmy was, was uh, pastoring in Ephesus. And Ephesus was this, this, this big city. And it was an epicenter of different religions and different cultures. And there were all kinds of ideas. And I'm sure all kinds of different ways of viewing what truth was. And so Paul says to Timothy, and I, I love this first phrase here, and this is probably going to be kind of the main point of the message today. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Both those things, I think, are so, so key, right? Watch your life and watch your doctrine and watch them closely and then persevere in them, 
right? It's not just this, I just kind of watch it flippantly. No, persevere in them so you can live those out. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And Paul was saying that because Timothy was a pastor, right? So Timothy would have, been it, would, would have been preaching the word of God to people. And Paul was saying, Timothy, you, you have to watch both your life and your doctrine and persevere. And when you, when you do that, um, the people are going to receive the, the, the word of God as they should, right? And so that's going to save yourself. And, and also, it's also going to save those that, that are, are believing you. But we have to watch those things. And that's probably the main reason why I get scared sometimes when I'm preaching. Sometimes I'm scared of, I'm scared of you. <laughs> sometimes, I don't know. Um, but the main reason why I'm fearful of getting on stage here is I just want to make sure that I'm not preaching Brenton's opinion, right? I want to make sure that, that I'm... I'm preaching what God would want me to preach. At the end of the day, that's, that's kind of what makes me shake in my boots probably the most because I want to please God, right? And in our lives, I think this is, this is the main goal of our life. It's to live to please God, to live uh, according to his ways. And so if we want to do that, if we want to live to please God and live out what God has commanded us to do, then we have to make sure that we watch our doctrine because we can't watch our doctrine or we can't watch your, our life if we don't watch your doctrine, right? It's kind of like if, uh, I don't know how construction works, but you would have, a, I guess, a person <laughs> that comes to like a contractor or something like that. I don't know if I'm on the right track. And, and the person's like, I want a house. I want to build a house. So then there's, I, I, I presume, conversations that happen and decisions that get made until a decision has been made and there's blueprints. It's like, okay, great. We have these blueprints. I approve. And now what happens is people build that, you build that house. But if all of a sudden, uh, let's say the person that had those blueprints would give the construction crew, uh, mix the blueprints up and give the wrong blueprints to the construction crew. Now you've got a problem, right? Because the construction crew is uh, building this, this house according to the blueprints they have. And the client comes and, and comes to see their house. And they say, well, this is not, this is not what I wanted, right? This isn't the house that, that I ordered. Um, that's, that's a problem, right? That's a problem there. And, and, and again, it's, it's very similar in the same way. We want to live our lives according to uh, God's blueprints. And so if we're supposed to construct our lives in a way that's pleasing to God, then we need to watch our doctrine. We need to watch our understanding of truth and make an effort to un- uh, line up our understanding with what the Bible says instead of making the Bible say what fits into our understanding, right? In 2 Timothy 4.3, Paul again is talking to to Tim here, and he's saying, for, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And we do that as people sometimes, right? With our friends, sometimes we do that. We're like, oh, which friend should I go to for help? The friend that just will say exactly what I want to hear, <laughs> right? I don't want to talk to that friend because sometimes they don't agree with everything I say. No, I want to talk to this friend because they'll, they'll just affirm me even if I'm wrong. <laughs> so we have, to be watch, we have to watch out that we don't do that with our friends too. 
But we have to watch out that we don't do that with, with, uh, with church. And, and as we are listening to, to different people and, and forming our, our opinion and making our doctrine, it's so easy to, to listen to someone and be like, ah, oh, doesn't fit what I want him to say. So I'm going to type into YouTube and find someone that just affirms my opinion. Ah, oh, this guy believes everything that I think should be true. So I'm going to say it's, it's truth. We have, we have to be really careful there because it's, it's tempting to adopt beliefs that line up with our preferences and feelings, right? So we have to watch out not, not to do that. Again, t- uh, Paul was saying this to Timothy in this epicenter of culture with all these ideas. And, and I think we, we're in the same scenario in a sense, especially with the, the globalization of how ideas are around us all the time. So for me, a warning phrase to watch out of our mouths would, would be something like this. I don't feel like God would do something like this. Well, I, I think that's a warning phrase and we have to be careful because again, we do not want to shape God by our beliefs and preferences and feelings. We don't, want to, we, we don't want to just make God into who we think he should be, right? It's, it's kind of like when, uh, you know, your mom makes cookies before supper and your mom's not there and it's just you and your brothers and the cookies are, it's like brutal because the cookies are just there and hot and warm and you talk to your brother and you're like, mom is okay with us having all of these cookies before supper, I think she would be, right? I mean, she made them for us. Like, why, why would she make cookies? She made the cookies for us, and so they're here. They're out in the open. She's not here, but I'm sure she would be okay. And so you eat all the cookies, and, and then mom comes in and is like, what are you doing, right? And so we have to be careful here, too, that, we, again, we are, not, we, are not, um, we are not just saying, oh, God would be okay with this because I, I feel like he should be okay. And, 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 uh, and then form our own God and, and form our own truth. We have to be really careful not to do that, right? The, Jesus said you have to worship in spirit and truth. And I think both those things are so key. Worshiping in spirit is where we want to worship out of our hearts and not our heads. We want to passionately worship God. We want to praise him. We don't want to hold back because he's worthy to be praised. And worshiping in truth. We don't want to worship a God that we have formed and, 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 and we've made out of our own ideas of who we think he should be, we want to worship God, the God who he says he is, right? And so this is where Christianity is not about finding your truth and having God fit into it. It's about you fitting into God's truth. So this is where it's, it's biblical integrity is just really important, right? That we, we, uh, we read the whole counsel of the word, that we do watch our doctrine closely, that we come to the Bible and we say, okay, I, I want to seek the truth out. I don't want to make this say anything it's not wanting to say. I, I, I want to submit to this. And obviously there's, there's study involved and all of these kind of things, but, but it's that genuinely I'm, I, I want to seek to live by the truth, not just live according to what I think the truth should be. And then the important step is obviously to live that out, right? That's massively important. Uh, and, and the point of having sound doctrine is so that you can live it out. That's the point of having sound doctrine. And so that's why in GMC here, often we want to keep things, we don't want to overcomplicate things. We, we don't want to 
We don't want to get into the weeds all the time theologically, even though we do in our studies and all of that stuff, and sometimes maybe we do. But, but we believe that God has made it pretty clear the life he wants us to live. And so, and, and again, good doctrine is there so we can live it. So we can live it. Imagine if uh, the contractor gave the right blueprints to the construction crew, so now they have the right blueprints, and then comes back three weeks later, you'd probably check in on your crew, but you come back and the construction crew is sitting there and saying, we've read these whole blueprints. Like we know them. Back and forth, I know exactly what this house should look like. I could picture it in my head. Aren't you proud? (laughs) The guy would be like, you didn't cut a single piece of wood? You didn't do anything? You just studied the blueprints? <laughs> no, uh, again, you want, to, you want to build the house, right? That's the, that's the point. And so this is where it says in James, don't, be, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. If we just know the Bible and we're not living it out, you're actually in some sort of area of deception because God wants you to live it out. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is someone who looks at his face in a mirror And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and there's that continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed by what they do. Those who consider themselves religious yet don't keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So we can know to keep a tight rein on our tongue. We, sh- we can know that we ought to say things that are, that are edifying, right? And, and have no unwholesome word come out of our mouth. But if it's not changing the way that we speak, then there's, there's no use to it, right? It's just an idea. It's, it's just the thought. It needs to be lived. All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's practical, right? The word of God is not just to be understood or memorized. It's to be lived out. At the same time, we can know the word back and forth. And we can know the word of God, yet still see a disconnect in how we act, right? And it's like, ah, I know what I, I should do. I'm just, I'm not doing that. And, uh, and this is where the Bible doesn't just, doesn't just tell us right and wrong. Um, uh, when I was taking an intro to counseling class, uh, my, there was a, a clip that was, that was shown where this lady comes into the, the counselor's room. The counselor says, okay, um, before we start the session, I just want to give you my, my rates of, of service. Uh, it's $1 for every minute. Um, but after five minutes, I'm not going to charge you a thing. So the maximum you're going to pay is uh, $5 for this counseling session. But uh, I don't imagine that it will take any more than, than five minutes. So the lady's like, oh, that's, that's really good. That's, that's awesome. That's cheap. And uh, so the counselor says, okay, what, what, what brings you here? What's the, what seems to be the problem? And the lady says, well, I, I have this, this fear that I'm going to be buried alive in, in a box. And the counselor says, okay, has anyone ever, has anyone ever tried to bury you in a, alive in a box before? The lady says, well, well, no. 
And uh, so the counselor says, okay, I know, I know just the thing. I've got two words for you. The lady says, should I write them down? And the counselor's like, oh, it's just two words. Most people don't really have a problem to know the two words. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Stop it! <laughs> and the lady's like, like a little thrown, but what, what, do you, what do you mean? Stop it. Just, just stop it. You don't, want to, you don't want to be afraid to go in an elevator, do you? Just stop. Stop, stop being afraid of this. Just stop. And the, the lady doesn't obviously like that answer, right? And she's like, well, I, I would love to stop it if I just could. Um, and the counselor's like, oh, that's what everyone has to say. Fine, I'll give you 10 more words, and then that's the end of our counseling session. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. <laughs> and that's when the lady's not, not very happy. It just ends up leaving. And, and the beautiful thing uh, about the Bible is it doesn't just, just say stop it. The Bible doesn't just say, hey, stop. This is right, this is wrong. It does point out what is right and what's wrong, but it does more than just say stop it. In Romans 12, 2, it says, don't conform to the pattern of the world. So don't, don't do that. But look at this. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't you love that? It's not, don't conform to the pattern of the, this world. Do God's will. There's a step there. There's a step there. It's don't conform what you got to do, if you want to do God's will, is you have to be transformed. And this is where the Bible does point out what's right, does point out what's wrong in our life. But then also, um, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's, it's not just a book. It's not just words. It is the truth. And, 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 and God, the truth really is God is a person and, and God wants to speak to you. Right? It says in Hebrews, the word of God is alive and it's active. Just think about that. It's alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. So the word of God doesn't just say, hey, do this and do that. It does do that. It does show us how to live. But then in it, there's, there's a transforming power. There's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and, and wants to shape the way we think and renew the way we think and renew our mind and our will and, and all of these things. So to live the word out, we need to be transformed by the word. And to be transformed by the word, we need the word to live inside of us. And that is key is the word living inside of me. Am I reading the word? That's important, absolutely. It's hard for the word to live in you if you're not reading the word. The truth is, are you letting the word live inside of you? Jesus said in John 8, John 8 to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. That word abide means to camp in it, to live in it, to dwell in the word, to what, let the word dwell inside of you. And so th this is where that happens, right? This is where transformation happens. You know, I think a lot of, uh, sometimes we're, we're very frustrated because, again, we know what the Bible tells us to do, but we just see that disconnect in our own life. And then we try to make the transformation happen, but, but the Holy Spirit wants 
you to abide in his word, abide in his truth, and in that transformation is gonna happen. And that's the beautiful thing. I've said this before, but I like saying it, and it's just a nice picture. I think the Bible is similar to, to yogurt. Um, uh, yogurt is living, right? When you're eating yogurt, you're just eating a bunch of living things. I eat yogurt a lot, and I try to forget that, because it's just a little weird. I don't like to eat living stuff. Typically, I like my stuff to be dead when I eat it. <laughs> but um, at one point, I, I would... Uh, you can make more yogurt, too. If you have a little bit of yogurt, the cool thing is you warm up milk, you put the yogurt in the milk, and all of a sudden those cultures start seeping through the milk, and you just let it sit there and let it live there, and then I have an Instant Pot. Sponsor me, Instant Pot, please. Um, you open it up, and it's yogurt. It's so cool. It's amazing. You have this yogurt now. Um, and I think this, this is um, so relatable to, are we, are we letting that happen with the word of God in our life? It, and it's not enough just to, I can't make yogurt if I just dip yogurt in for five minutes and then take the yogurt out. It's still milk. It's like, oh, why didn't that work? No, the yogurt's got to live in there. The cultures have to affect the milk and, and, and permeate the milk. And it's, it's the same way with the word of God in, in my life. I need the word of God to live inside of me. To do that, I think step number one is that I would, I would read the word. Right? I, I, I read the word and I, I, uh, I, I make a commitment to doing that. And if you're not in a, in a habit of reading the word in your life, I, I just encourage you, even start with 15 minutes. Just, just read the word and because it's alive and I believe with all my heart that, that as you read the word, it's going to be more than a book. You're, you're going to meet God. God's going to speak to you. That's what he wants, right? He wants a relationship with you and his truth isn't dead. It is alive. So as we read, maybe it won't be like, wow, every day and we'll have high emotions, but God's, God will speak to me. And God will make it personal to me. And this is where we need the, there's two, in, in the Greek, when, it, when we see the word, word of God, there's two words that are used. One is logos, which talks about the universal word of God that needs to be, you know, followed. But the other word is rhema, the rhema word of God. When Jesus was saying in the desert, man should not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, he was saying every rhema. It comes from the mouth of God. This is how we ought to live. And it's that rhema word, God breathing and making it personal to you that makes the Logos come alive. We actually need God's help to understand God's word, right? Because it's to be understood spiritually, not just intellectually. If you just understand the word of God intellectually, you're not actually understanding it the way that we ought to, right? There's a deeper level, for sure, intellectual understanding, but it needs to be understood spiritually. It needs to come alive inside of me. It can't be dead. It can't be a dead book. And so I encourage you to, to read the word of God. And I believe that God wants to speak to you. I really do. I really, really do. And I encourage you to take the Hearing God course. Because that, that really outlines, you know, how we can hear the word of God in, in his word. But at the same time, hearing God the hearing God course is not mandatory for you to hear God, right? He still does want to speak to you even now, and that's awesome. 
So the first thing I encourage you to do is just take some time to read the word of God. And the second thing I encourage you to do is abide in the word. Abide in the word. Again, to make yogurt, it's not dipping the yogurt in the milk. Oh, 15 minutes, and then take it back out, and then dipping it 15 minutes, and taking it back out, and then dipping it 15 minutes, and taking it back out. Something's probably happening, obviously, in that 15 minutes, absolutely. But it's about having the word living in you. It's about having the word abide in you. It's like, like uh, God said to Joshua, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may, to be care- you may careful to do everything written in it. And God was not expecting Joshua to take his scroll all day and just walk and he's just bumping into stuff and people are like, what should we do next, Joshua? It's like, ah, 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 ah. Uh, i got to meditate on this day and night. This is tough stuff. No, Joshua was going to do his stuff and do his duties, but, but he was still meditating on the word. It was still on his mouth. He for sure read the word of God. He, he had to. It's hard, it's hard for the word to bite in you if you don't know the word, right? So that's important. But then there was this, this next thing that he needed to do. He needed to let that word live in him. He needed to stay in the word. He needed to, to dwell in, in the word. And sometimes I put less focus on that, right? I put the focus on reading the word, absolutely. But is my focus on abiding in it as I am not reading the Bible throughout my day? And I think that's where God wants to do such a transformative work in us. And he will. He will. The word of God's alive and, and it's active. And that's just, that is just the truth. And so if we commit ourselves to, to reading God's word and letting it read us and, and see that commitment out, I just believe that God is going to work. Because again, he's, he's alive and, and the Bible is his word. And he loves you. He wants to speak to you. He absolutely wants that. And so I, I just pray that as a church, we would treasure his word. Like David said, I've treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.